Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Straight ahead this morning, Medicare for All. Bernie Sanders pushed it during his first run for president. He and some others are now campaigning on it hard for 2020. Two of those candidates, Julian Castro and Kirsten Gillibrand, will join us on why they believe it'll heal the health care system. Plus, he is barely legal to drink. He's Iowa's youngest lawmaker, and he just joined a new group to make sure younger adults have a bigger say as leaders. Republican Representative Joe Mitchell is here with his ideas with this new Iowa Future Caucus. And in the Insider's Quick Six, not just stopping the brain drain, but creating Iowa's brain gain. Good morning. In 2019, if you're a Democrat running for president, seems like you have to either support this dramatic change in our health care system by supporting a Medicare for all concept, or at least letting people of a certain age buy into the Medicare system. Obamacare, it appears, is no longer enough, or what is left of Obamacare. Former U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Julian Castro has been pushing this idea even before he was a presidential candidate, like when he campaigned in Iowa on behalf of 3rd District Congressional Candidate Cindy Axney. Well, now that he is back here as a presidential candidate, I asked him about what Medicare for All would mean for the three to 4,000 Iowans who directly work in private health care insurance now, according to Iowa's insurance commissioner. So what happens to those folks if we go to this Medicare for All? The United States is uh, really the, the only developed country that has not already figured this out. I would ask folks to think about why is it that countries that are less wealthy than this country, that have been less successful than this country, have been able to offer universal health insurance or universal health care to their people. It's time that the United States does that. What does that look like? That's the subject of debate right now. Uh, I support Medicare for all. I believe that anybody who wants to avail, avail himself or herself of Medicare should be able to do that. Countries do this differently around the world. And so if somebody wants to have a supplemental plan or a private health insurance plan, I think they should be able to. But I also don't believe fundamentally that the profit motive should determine whether a human being in this country is able to get care for their diabetes or their heart condition or for some other affliction when they need it. So in your mind, we would still have some private health insurance here if, if a person chose that as more of a secondary? That's right. Kind of an added benefit. And so what would, that, the, what would they use that for? Well, again, this can look different in, in different countries. Here in the United States, uh, you know, there have been a number of proposals. During the course of this campaign, I look forward to laying out my own proposal. Um, you can do that right thing, now if you want. <laughs> yeah. We're just getting started, <laughs> Dave. Right, We're just getting enough. started. We still have like 50 <laughs> weeks until the uh, Iowa caucus. But, um, you know, people have also asked, how do you pay for it? Which I think is a fair question. 
And during the course of the campaign, I look forward to putting forth a plan on how it would be paid for. Um, what I would ask folks to think about is that right now there's a lot of money in this system that basically is wasted. Um, and we can create a better system that makes sure that when you and your family need health care, good health care, that it's there for you. Uh, because we know that for so many American families, including a lot of families here in Iowa, that's just not the case right now. We also talk about the Green New Deal. I feel like this is another one of those things that's kind of a big old concept. And, you know, we'll sort of work our way to finding out what specifics are. And it feels like it probably means different things to different people. So let's talk specifically about our state. Um, if this idea of eliminating our use of fossil fuels in a decade, as some have talked about, how does ethanol play into that? So does that mean, should we, f should we look at it that a decade from now, ethanol is not part of the fuel system? Well, I think as, as uh, we see now that ethanol will continue to play a role. Um, when people talk about the Green New Deal, you're right, that people have, I think, different, right now, there are different definitions of that. Uh, and there's legislation that has been introduced. I'm excited about this because I think that we can both protect our planet and also create jobs and stimulate our economy. You know, and I've seen that even in my home state, um, in the solar industry, in the wind industry. And again, some people want us to believe that there's this false choice between protecting our planet and economic growth. And actually, we can have both of those things. And we're already seeing that, you know, whether it's uh, solar panel installers or folks who work for uh, companies in the wind industry or other renewable energy uh, companies, there is tremendous economic potential there. And I think that with a Green New Deal, we can take advantage of that in the future and that states like Iowa can benefit tremendously from it. Uh, some of the early mocking of this has been, you're not, we're not going to eat meat anymore. We're not going to fly in an airplane anymore. We're not going to drive in a car anymore unless it's electric. But how, do, how do you push this conversation forward to get past that? Well, look, you know. I'm assuming you don't believe in I any mean, of those things, I mean, the right? thing about Iowans is that they, they follow politics uh, and politicians much more than a lot of Americans because they, I know already that they take their responsibility seriously as the first people to caucus in these primaries. And so you know, the folks that are listening, that, that that's ridiculous. Um, let's take the example of that some people have thrown out that there would be no more um, you know, commercial airplanes or, or flights. What people are proposing is that we have a better system, for instance, of high-speed rail um, in this country so that you have alternatives. Uh, and Texas is a good example, my home state. For a long time, people have wanted high-speed rail between San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, uh, Austin, right there in the middle of all Which of that. Which are four very large metropolitan areas. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, you have a state like Texas that is very spread out. And um, it could be well served by high-speed rail. But same thing, if somebody wants to go from Des Moines to uh, Denver or Des Moines to Chicago, it is an alternative that I think that we should invest in. And again, this is not breaking new ground. There are countries around the world, Japan is a good example, that have already invested in these kinds of things. And so some people try to mock this, but what it's about is making sure that in this 21st century economy, we can both protect our planet, be environmentally responsible, and also create great new jobs that pay well for people here in Iowa and all Americans.
New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand also supports the Democrats' Green New Deal. But up next, we want to hear her explanation for her support for Medicare for All. It is Bernie Sanders for President Part 2. The Vermont Independents running for president again as a Democrat. Now, you'll remember he almost stunned Hillary Clinton back in the 2016 Iowa caucuses, but he ended up falling just a little bit short. He's out there again pushing his Medicare for All health care plan, just like he did four years ago. I sat down with one of his Democratic competitors for 2020, New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. She's also pushing this Medicare for All concept, and I asked her, why not just let Sanders champion this cause? Shouldn't he just continue to lead this movement? So interesting, let's just take one example, Medicare for All. And I think Bernie's terrific, and he's been doing great advocacy for this country for a very long time, and believes in it, believes deeply in his ideas. Um, but Medicare for All, I actually ran on that issue in 2005 when I was a first-time House candidate in a two-to-one Republican district in upstate New York, a pretty red area. Um, and the reason why I ran on that in 2005 for the 2006 election was because I traveled around the district and I talked to people. I asked them, you know, what's, what are your biggest challenges? And back then, cost of health care was one of the biggest challenges for almost every family. And so I came up with this idea because it was, you know, certainly being talked about in the grassroots. How would you feel about a not-for-profit public option? How would you feel about being able to buy into Medicare at a price you could afford? Let's say 4 or 5% of income overwhelmingly in the two to one Republican district, they said, yeah, that would be great because they know how the economy works. They know that competition results in lower prices. So if you have a not-for-profit provider offering healthcare for the cost of healthcare as percentage of income versus an industry that is the middleman that just wants to guarantee corporate profits, pay their CEO, CEO tens of millions of dollars uh, and have shareholder value, they care more about their share price than the people they're supposed to be serving, that, that they're, they're going to have a tough time competing. And let them compete. Let them bring their prices down. And if they don't, people are overwhelmingly going to choose Medicare for all. So I thought a not-for-profit public option would work. Um, so when Senator Sanders introduced his bill, I asked, could I please write the transition? Because this is the part that really appeals to the red and purple places in my state, letting people have the choice to buy in. And that creates competition. It will disrupt the insurance industry uh, because they are driven by profits, not people. And it will disrupt some of the greed that's in the healthcare system today. And it just allows us to get to single payer. It allows you to actually get for to Medicare for all. And long term, my vision for this is let's like make it, let's make it an earned benefit, just like Social Security. So you buy in across your lifetime, whether you're working full time, part time, big companies, small companies, you're actually buying in as a earned benefit, as a right. And then you'd have uh, preventive care for all Americans. You called it a disruption. So we're sitting in Des Moines as we talk to you yeah. here. There are thousands of people who work in the health insurance business in our state. So what does it mean for those folks if we would go to this Medicare for All? Yeah, so uh, the whole point is to make sure we're funding our health care system more. So instead of taking a big layer of fat out of health care by giving it to the for-profit insurers, you're just going to give it straight to the hospitals, the, the uh, practitioners, the doctors, the nurses, so they can uh, be paid and be paid for their care. The other thing you'll need to do, and for those in health care know this, Today, Medicare reimbursement rates aren't covering the actual cost of what they're delivering. Medicaid doesn't either. And there's usually two or three prices for the same procedure in a hospital. One for a Medicaid reimbursement, one for a Medicare reimbursement, and one for somebody who walks in off the street. And none of those price tags is the actual cost. 
So if you're going to build on Medicare, the first thing you should do is create transparency in pricing and make sure we actually know the cost of that extra. It's not $50, it's not $100, it's not $5,000. It might be something in between. It might be $500. And then make sure when you're buying into Medicare and all this, these funds are coming in that the reimbursement rate that Medicare pays to that hospital actually reflects cost. That's how you build a viable system long term. Okay, but for those people, their industry disappears, right? Because I've heard different in people insurance, explain if this. Yes. It will be disrupted over time because unless they want to compete, which they might, or offer products that aren't about getting access to basic affordable care. So in other countries that create health care as a right, not a privilege, insurance still exists, but it's for bells and whistles. It might be for the faceless you really want to get. It might be for the plastic surgery you're desperate to have. That's not actually delivering health care. That's delivering services that are important to you uniquely. If you want to pay an insurer to, to go ahead, but you're going to lose your money. Um, it would be better just to actually pay for the service you're getting directly to the doctor or to the facility that you want to buy that service from. Um, I think the middleman structure is just a failing structure. I don't think you can get to universal coverage on a for-profit model. All right, up next, one of the new under 40 foursome. A 21-year-old state Republican lawmaker will join us on this new group he joined to give younger leaders a voice in politics. We'll talk to him next. These four state lawmakers are all under the age of 40. They represent both major political parties, and now they're all working together. It's a new effort called the Iowa Future Caucus. Their allegiance makes Iowa the 28th state to join the Millennial Action Project's National State Future Caucus Network. Republican legislator Joe Mitchell from Wayland is part of this, and you join us now. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. All right, so what do you want to what do you want to accomplish in this four-person group? Well, we're working on a couple of pieces of legislation. Our main um, issue we kind of took up uh, was the brain drain in Iowa, and so recruiting young people to come back to our state, to stay in our state, and not leave. Because right now you see a lot of young people going to college and um, heading out after they get their degree. We don't want them to do that. We want them to stay in our communities, come back to the, specifically for me, the rural towns, and um, where we're, we're losing a lot of population. And you're from Southeast Iowa. You just graduated from, from Drake in yep. December. All right, this is a bipartisan group, and the way the climate is right now, not everybody likes bipartisanship, right? I mean, sure. there are some pretty hard partisans on both sides. Yep. So how do you navigate right. through that? Well, my biggest thing, and, you know, when Zach Wallace, Senator Wallace asked me to, to join this caucus and to be the co-chair the, on the House side for the Republicans, um, you know, I was really excited because this year, you know, the drafting deadlines are already done for legislation, so I'm not sure how much legislation will get done this year. Um, that will be happening in, in the future years. However, I think it's important just to show people that, you know, Republicans, Democrats can come across the aisle, can have a conversation that's productive, and that's a good thing because right now I think you see a, a lot of people who, um, or a lot of news networks who, who divide people, a lot of different uh, activists who divide people and, uh, you know, say it's, if you're a Republican, you should be friends with a Democrat. If you're a Democrat, you should be friends with a Republican. I think that's wrong. And I think the that way that we get smart, good legislation done is by being bipartisan, working across the aisle and making sure that everyone agrees on that. And will the four of you work on specific ideas? So will you put forth, you know, here's our idea on taxes or something that specific, or sure. are you going to talk general well we could come together and put pieces of legislation together like tax credits for younger people to come to our state or for entrepreneurs um or uh or rural housing um legislation to give money to that or whatever it is we could do that but i think 
right now it's more of just a concept that we're going to come together, we're going to express our ideas to each other, and we're going to uh, do things in a bipartisan manner and kind of, um, you know, maybe stray away from a lot of the partisanship politics that's happened in the last couple of years of the Capitol. What's this? So you're in your second month up at the State House. Mm -hmm. You just started in January. 21 years old, just graduated from Drake, and yep. you wanted to do this. So what's what have these first two months been like? Well, they've been crazy. So um, every day it's going 100 miles per hour from about 8 a.m. to 3 or 4, and then um, there's always receptions at night from the co-ops or the sheriff's department the last night. And so you go to these things and you see people from back home um, that you normally wouldn't see during the session, and it's good to see those people. and. Uh, so you're going from eight to eight every day. It's 12 hour days usually. So um, it's 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 crazy, but I wouldn't trade for anything. You just got a little history lesson on Thursday. So you all are looking at these pretty dramatic changes to the way we elect judges, mm -hmm. and we've had a certain way we've done it for the last almost half century or so, even longer than that. Senator Chuck Grassley, who yeah. years and years ago used to be a member of the State House, uh, gave you all a little perspective. Yeah. Can you share? Sure. So it was kind of funny. Senator Grassley came today and, and spoke to our caucus specifically. And uh, we had him talk about how he actually voted on um, on the current way the, the judicial process is done. But he was talking about they, they, the way they formed that legislation in 1963. They made it so if there needed to be changes done, there could be changes done. And so right now we're doing those changes because there's people in my caucus who believe that um, the Judicial Nomination Commission isn't transparent enough. And um, that's my belief, too. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're changing some things on it, but, you know, it's still merit-based, and I think it's going to be a better system this way. All right, if you'll hang on here, we'll have you back in the quick six here later on in the show. But when we come back first, we'll hear from an Iowan who is making some history in the state's highest court. We'll listen to his tribute to history and also to his mom. Christopher McDonald is a history-making Iowan. His father was Scottish, Irish, his mother Vietnamese. He was born in Bangkok, Thailand, and then moved to Des Moines Southside when he was young, graduated from Grandview, then eventually earned his law degree from the University of Iowa. He is serving right now on the Iowa Court of Appeals, but he will soon head to the Iowa Supreme Court, the first person of color to do that. To my colleagues on the bench, the members of the bar, and the citizens of this state, Although my job title will change over the next few weeks, my core commitment to you will not. I promise to you to continue to be a faithful servant to the Constitution and the laws of this great state, to fairly and impartially decide cases and administer justice in good faith to the best of my ability. Judge McDonald will join the other six members of the court in a few weeks. That seventh person in this picture, if you look in the bottom right there, that's Daryl Hecht. He had to resign in December as he battles cancer. Now, McDonald credited his family, especially his mother, for the work ethic to help him get to where he is. To my family, thank you for your support and your inspiration over all these years. Uh, in particular, thank you to my mother. And that's his mom in the bottom right-hand corner, the woman who was beaming throughout this news conference with the governor this week. All right, small town request, the brain gain, and a prediction. They're all part of the Insider's Quick Six when Representative Joe Mitchell returns. Time for the Insider's Quick Six with Representative Joe Mitchell. All right, Representative, question one. You talked about this in the segment about the new caucus you're part of, but if you could have a top item on a wish list for small town Iowa, what would it be? Oh, well, the things I talked about during the campaign is um, – 
extending save, uh, rural school funding, the transportation funding, uh, extra money allocated to, to rural schools, I said was a top priority. So, um, you know, I think investing in our children is a, a big thing. All right, question two. You talked about this in the, when we were talking about this new caucus, the brain gain. Best way we can actually attract younger people here is mm -hmm. how? So those are some of the issues that, you know, I'm talking amongst um, Senator Walls and uh, Representative James and um, Senator Nunn about. And, you know, we don't have, you know, we, I have different ideas. I think tax credits for younger people would be a good thing, specifically for people who are trying to start businesses, who are entrepreneurs, uh, who are millennials. But um, we haven't agreed on collectively anything yet. And so that'll be coming out in the future. All right. Question three. This is a political one here. But on the Republican side, there's talk about maybe requiring businesses to use E-Verify before they can hire. Are you in favor sure. of that? Uh, yeah, I would have to look at the bill. So. Okay. Question four. Another idea on the Republican side is, you can't get food assistance if you're behind on child support. You sure. Favor that? Um, that's another thing. I'd have to look at the whole entire bill, but I think you know if you're if you're not um, you know paying your child support like you're supposed to, then it's something we need to look at. All right. You know what long commutes are like here coming in from Wayland when you yeah. come in on Monday mornings. We had Senator Brad Zahn in here last week, and yeah. you know he's on this crusade to get rid of these speed cameras. Yeah. You think that goes through the state house this session? I hope it does. I really don't like the speed cameras because I've got maybe one or two tickets from them. So, <laughs> so they're not my favorite, um, but uh, we'll be working on that, and I hope, I hope we see it come up. All right, finally, your prediction. My prediction is that this afternoon the Drake Bulldogs will beat Illinois State. Go Bulldogs. Uh, quite a year for that men's team this year. Yeah. Women's too. Yeah. All right, appreciate it. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you. Let's stay connected throughout the week, and we will see you next Sunday for the Insiders.